Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, Total SF listeners, and happy new year. This was our favorite year yet for the Total SF podcast. We got to meet a lot of you in real life. We recorded episodes in the Transamerica Pyramid, at Glide Memorial Church, on the San Francisco Bay Ferry, in the Tony Bennett Suite at Oracle Park. But the highlight was getting back to our podcast studio in the San Francisco Chronicle archive and recording what turned out to be our most popular episode of 2022, Eight Reasons Why We Still Love San Francisco. Heather and I are looking forward to hanging out with you more in 2023. We've got some great topics coming up. Muni buses, penguins, and beer are involved, hopefully in the same episode. New episodes starting next Friday. For now, enjoy one of our favorite episodes of 2022. Hello, Heather Knight, and welcome to our first podcast recorded at the San Francisco Chronicle since um, the 1800s. (laughs) It seems like it's been a really long time. Yeah. When were we last here? I don't even remember, but we've been recording outside or on Zoom for two years. So, Yeah. I remember we recorded um, with Jeffrey Tumlin and it was right as the pandemic's coming. Carrie Byron came here I remember she didn't want to shake hands or even fist bump. And yeah. I'm like, you don't even want to fist bump? I mean, <laughs> And you had a gigantic t- uh, container of hand sanitizer. Yeah, I, I do remember. But I do remember thinking, like, that's kind of odd she doesn't want to fist bump. And I'm never going to fist bump anyone again. <laughs> so you were right, Carrie Byron. Um, welcome back, though. It's good to be here. We're in the archive and um, surrounded by all the photos of the Chronicle. And here to talk about San Francisco, because apparently it's going to hell again. Yes, just when you think things are finally turning around, um, outsiders weigh in about how we're this dystopian, apocalyptic city that signifies the end of the world. It seems like that's another theme these days. So we're here for a rebuttal. So this started when you alerted me to a tweet by Paul Graham. He's the Y Combinator co-founder of Venture Capitalist, where he tweeted, A friend who lives in San Francisco told me that unlike most things you hear in the news, the decline of San Francisco isn't exaggerated. It really is as bad as the stories say. I think any tweet that starts with, A friend who lives in San Francisco <laughs> told me that... Um, is going to be suspect. So I don't know Paul Graham. I've never met him personally. I don't follow him. And I don't think it's just him. It seems like there's this whole subgenre of San Francisco has gone to hell that doesn't quite match the reality that I see. And I'm curious what you think. Yeah, for sure. This is definitely not just about one tweet. I see it on Twitter all the time. It's certainly ever-present in the East Coast media, um, definitely on Fox News. It seems like every day you're hearing how horrific San Francisco is. It's the end of the world, end times, some like bad sci-fi movie come to life. And 
uh, we just want to defend this. I feel like um, people who live here have a right and even an obligation to point out what's not working. And there's certainly a very long list that fits into that category. We're not saying that things here are perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But it's also annoying when it's people who don't even live here, like, saying they know what it's like. It's kind of like, you know, if your house is really messy, you can complain about it, but you don't want like a visitor being like, geez, your house looks like crap. A friend of mine who lives in San Francisco (laughs) told me that Heather Knight's house is messy. So let's start our restorative circle. Um, We're going to explore some of this and give our eight reasons why we still love San Francisco. Same rules as some of the other things that we've done. I don't know what's on your list. You don't know what's on my list. But I'm looking forward to hearing what's on your list, Heather. So am I. I think that we need to stick up for San Francisco. We will work on solving its problems. But we also need to remember why they're worth solving in the first place. That sounds great. I'm Peter Hartlob here with my friend Heather Knight, who lives in San Francisco, (laughs) and this is Total SF. Thank you very much. So Heather, I want to start with the question, what the hell is wrong with people lately? Um, If San Francisco is in such decline, when exactly was it great? When was this alleged golden age for San Francisco? Because we are surrounded in the archive here by photos and stories that tell me there never was one. I think part of what makes this city special is that we're always fighting through something, we're adapting. When was this golden age? I don't know. It's not since I've lived here. Um, Obviously, there were serial killers terrorizing the city in the 1970s. There have been economic crashes, the horrific AIDS epidemic. We've just hopefully gotten through the worst of COVID-19 pandemic. It's always something that the city is facing, and there's never been this perfect era when everything was sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, I mean, was it the 70s when the homicide rate was more than twice as high and our politicians were getting assassinated and a cult leader who had the ear of the political elite murdered hundreds of people. You know, was that the golden era? Was it the 50s and 60s when police were proactively harassing gay citizens in the 1940s when an entire, you know, I just did a story on this, uh, Japantown is eliminated and we send a huge part of our population to internment camps. I mean, I, I just don't, know this mythical era that people are looking back at. The city has always had struggles, and we have struggles now, and it's always been worth fighting for, too, I think. Well, I think we have some good reasons here why it's worth fighting for. Um, At least I do. I don't know what your reasons (laughs) are. My list will be better than yours. Okay. I don't think we need to get competitive with this one. This is about the betterment of San Francisco. This is a celebratory podcast. We're on the same team. I have no Star Trek Four on my list. Oh, good. Yeah. So, um... Anyway, four reasons why we each still love San Francisco. You may start, Heather. Well, the classic example, I'm going to be pretty obvious with this one, but you can't leave it off the list, the beauty and the outdoors. It is so easy to just go outside. You may be frustrated by the news, doom scrolling on Twitter, feel like the world's ending. All you need to do is go outside to your nearest park or the beach or a hilltop just get outside, get fresh air. I did that the other day with my older son. We um, 
just on a whim um, over the weekend. You want to hike up Mount Davidson? Sure. And we just walked from our house up to the top of Mount Davidson. The poppies were blooming. Um, it was you could see Suchar Tower. You know, I always love that. Um, the Hunters Point Crane, the skyline. Um, so many. Uh, I noticed like the beautiful colored homes like purple and blue and green and um, there's just so much to look at the beach was looking gorgeous and that was just a walk from our front door so um, I think you know add that to the canyon which I'm a big fan of um, the botanical gardens in Golden Gate Park peak magnolia season right now it's just so easy to get outside and find some respite and relief from the um, the bad news um, you've been here 20 years. It seems like you're still constantly discovering new things, even covering the city, even spending so much time in the outdoors. Yeah, in some ways, I'm a creature of habit. My husband will tell you I always order the same thing on the menu at the restaurants we keep going back to. But um, also, there's so much new newness to find. And I feel like just going on walks is one of the easiest ways to do that. Yeah. Well, you stole mine. My, I'm not kidding. My first one is um, the parks. I was going to say the parks. Wherever you are, there are multiple awesome parks or views within a short walking distance. And that was designed. Mm-hmm. That was John McLaren, who um, people who want to take our audio tour, you can find out everything you wanted to know about John McLaren and get a selfie with a statue. <laughs> but um, that's how it was designed. Everybody in San Francisco should be able to walk to a park. Every child should be able to walk to a park. Everyone should have a picnic within walking distance of their home. And that's still here. We've learned this from our peak-to-peak walks with Walk SF that easily walkable, you can go to two or three or four fantastic views in just a few hours and get this great hike, and it's restorative. So I think that part of San Francisco, it's unique. You don't get that with other cities. We're compact, and that's our advantage, and I think it's awesome. So we picked the same thing. Good job. Um, my second choice is the arts. I was kind of feeling, you know, with the Omicron surge and the weather being cold, and I was just kind of in a bad mood. So a couple of weeks ago, I decided um, – I'm going to remember, you know, what is one of the great things about this city that makes it worth living here, despite it being so frustrating and expensive, um, is all of the artistic opportunities. So um, weekend before last, I went to two plays with my older son. Um, Sadly, they both ended now, but I can just, you know, do a brag here of what I did get to see. Um, One was I, Too, Sing America at the Brava Theater. That was performed by the San Francisco Bay Area Theater Co., which BTW has awesome Sutro Tower sweatshirts for sale to support them. Um, And that was a celebration of Black History Month with great songs and dancing. I also saw Freestyle Love Supreme. Um, That was super funny improvisation, um, great music, and just tons of laughs. So if you get a chance to see that on its national tour, you definitely should. Um, Also went to the Asian Art Museum to see Team Lab Continuity, which you can still see through the end of the month. That's this incredible light show with butterflies and flowers and nature kind of swirling all around you as you walk through this exhibit. Hadn't really seen anything like that before. And that was just literally in three days. So um, I think just, you know, remembering what is special about being here. Um, Another example, I've been going to um, Valencia Street, which is still car free on uh, weekend evenings. And um, every time I walk there, there's a new band playing outside or a guy writing poetry. Um, there's just art everywhere you look. And I think the city is, is full of that. And we should appreciate that. You know, 
when I heard that half of your family went to the Warriors game and half of your family went to a play, this was a text. <laughs> you that knew we which shared. half was which. And and well, I knew that, but I also was like, oh man, I want to go to the Warriors game. I mean, just like there's a part of me that was like, that's a more fun thing to do than to go to a play. But I've learned I really read a lot of Lily Janik, and I've been going to more um, live performances just in the last five ten years. And Freestyle Love Supreme sounded super cool as I'm reading more of your tweets, and then I went and read about it. So, um. Well, Lily gave a rave review to both of those plays, so I follow her lead, and she always leads me in the right direction. Okay, well, we will get to another um, Lily Janik rave, Dear San Francisco, um, in the near future. Double Date is coming up. Yes. Great pick. Well, my second pick is The Constant Flow of Newcomers, which is often portrayed as this negative thing in San Francisco. But as I've spent more time here and spent more time doing stuff with you, I've come to find this to be a huge asset. I mean, you have this constant flow of new people coming here, falling in love with the city, seeing the city through fresh eyes. And this has been going on for generations. I mean, you think about all the people over the last 150 years who felt out of place, came to San Francisco, suddenly felt like they belonged, and then got to just discover all of the art and culture and the beauty of the city. I have huge regrets that earlier in my career, a couple of times, I probably wrote tech bros, you know, and made some derogatory term when, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I should have been finding these people and introducing them to the city and welcoming them. And that's something I I love about the city. It's always been here. It's going to be here. This thing that's a negative, I think, is an asset. Yeah, um, I wrote a column about that not so long ago about um, newcomers to the city and their reasons for loving it here when so many people who've been here longer are complaining about it all the time. But um, just hearing their stories, I was like, oh, you're right. This (laughs) is a great place to live. Um, Shout out to one of them. Ernesto Aguilar, the director of radio programming at KQED, he read my column and um, and shared it. And he he's new to the city and said, I love everything, even the squawk of the crows. I was like, the crows? Nobody ever <laughs> likes the crows. But when you're that enraptured with your new city that you would comment on the sound of crows, <laughs> I was like, okay. It's actually one reason why I like writing these archive stories is it's a way to explain the history of San Francisco to people who are new, not just the people who have nostalgia for it. And one of my favorite moments just as a journalist was I showed a bunch of photos of Playland at the Beach and wrote a story about it. And this guy who lives in the apartment complexes where Playland and the Beach used to be, and he's a tech guy, it was a guy in his 20s, would see all these pictures of roller coasters and stuff on the wall and he thought it was Coney Island. He Mm. didn't realize that the people who um, manage those condos put a lot of Playland photos up. And he's like, I've been living here and I didn't know there was an amusement park at my feet. He was so excited about it. And again, that to me was like, okay, this really switches something for me about what my job is. My job isn't to, you know, say, oh, tech bros, they're coming here and ruining things. My job is to invite these people and show them the splendor of the city. And um, I don't know. I like new people now. You can can all come hang out with us. Yes. I have to say, though, that there is something to be said for finding the um, 
people who stick around in the city because I moved here in my early 20s and so many of my friends have since left for one reason or another, oftentimes when they have kids. But if you find your tribe of people who are um, committed to raising their families here and are, are in it for the long haul, that's a great aspect as well. I agree with you, but they're just not allowed to say, I'm a fourth generation native, <laughs> you know. We'll be right back after this short break. Okay, um, my next one is related to something you've already said, but I'm going to add it again. It's that there are always new experiences to be had in San Francisco. Um a writer named Samuel Johnson famously said of London, when a man is tired of London, he is tired of life. And I think that's true of San Francisco. If you're bored here, you're really not trying very hard. A um, couple new experiences I've had in the past couple of weeks were, um, as listeners know, we're both great fans of the Great Highway slash Great Walkway, which is closed to cars from noon on Fridays to Sunday evenings. And um, last weekend, there was a really neat event held on there um, where something I'd never heard of called the Bay Area Jazzmobile, mm -hmm. um, this van that carries musicians and instruments around the city to play outside, um, pulled up on the walkway and um, a jazz trio played and families were just like rolling down the sand dunes and eating their lunches and listening to the music on this closed highway at Ocean Beach. And the sun was out and it was warm and people were dancing, little kids were clapping and dogs were there. It was just like such a fun day. And that is not something I think you would find in, in your average suburb. So um, another new um Experience I had was just last night on Tuesdays, as we mentioned in a previous episode, um, Grace Cathedral has yoga classes on the labyrinth, and I told you I wanted to do that, but never actually had. And um, last night with a friend, we um, barded to Powell, got on a cable car, rode it up Knob Hill, walked to Grace Cathedral, and did a really great um, yoga class with um, this musician doing sound bath. I don't know what that's called, but um, it was really cool. And I'd never um, done that before. So uh, in the poses like Shavasana, where you're looking up um, and seeing this like soaring cathedral ceiling and hearing music while you're doing yoga, I was like, wow, this is a pretty neat place. Okay, number one, why was I not invited? <laughs> you can come next time. Okay. Number two, uh, was the very Reverend Malcolm Clemens Young there? I did not see him. But um, there were, there was another reverend. I forget their name. I don't know if they were very reverend or just regular reverend, okay. but um, they talked. So it was really awesome, and I will go with you any Tuesday. Okay. Uh, there's no beef here. I'm just, you know, I was a little surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so my number three is indie business. The city fights for its small business and art and beautiful things. Um, when someone comes up with an idea that's a little bit offbeat, I think people give it a chance and give it a chance to thrive. I'm writing right now about the very first comic book shop in San Francisco and how it had this incredible influence over people like Art Spiegelman and Robert Crumb, these indie comics. Um, I think of City Lights Bookstore. I think of Manny's right now. Um, all the food trucks, all the indie theaters, indie cinema, we complain about it when they're gone, but so many have survived and thrived. I was sure the four-star was done, and 
somebody who just had some money and loved the theater bought it, and now the people running the Balboa are going to manage it. Um, my first concert back was at the chapel. It's a event venue that used to be a mortuary and is now a concert venue, and it's awesome. I just, I just love our love of indie businesses. Bookstores right now is another example. I thought they were all going to be gone. People supported them. They're figuring out how to do online orders. I think they're going to be stronger than ever coming out of this. So I like that about the city. I like the businesses themselves, and I like that the people appreciate them. I agree. Um, we've mocked, you know, going overboard on the chain regulations in the past, like the famous El Ferralito. You cannot have a, a 12th burrito shop <laughs> in the Bay Area. But um, overall, I think it's great that, you know, this city is not lined with Applebee's and IHOPs. And it's, there's so many unique things to um, patronize. Um, it reminded me your category of um, going to the Oasis um, last week to see a drag show and saw Darcy Drollinger and, you know, folks there were talking about how it was really, you know, nearly out of business during the pandemic. Remember when he had that big telethon and ended up raising a couple hundred thousand dollars and was able to survive. And now they're, they're back and, you know, better than before with, you know, shows almost every night. And um, to think that we almost lost that, but didn't and people rallied around and it was um, saved by a drag queen telethon <laughs> with drag queens on phones yes that's what i'm talking about yes okay i think we're on your number four Heather? yes yeah wrapping up um i'm my fourth is that so many people here really care about the city and making it a better place and um I write a lot about how broken our city government is. Um, I think that despite so many people working in it who really do care, for some reason, the whole is not greater than the sum of its parts. Um, and I think it's really frustrating as a um, resident and taxpayer sometimes to wonder, where is all this money going? But I do think individuals care, whether they're in government or nonprofits or just regular folks. Um, but a lot of people have been asking me lately, is there any department at City Hall that actually works? And so I thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I would like to um, shout out three that I think are doing a good job. One is the libraries. Mm -hmm. We have amazing libraries here that um, offer total SF book club events, as well as drag queen story times, um, help for immigrants who've moved here and are trying to um, access a better life. Um, they have a lot of social workers who can help homeless people who spend their days in the libraries, and they just offer so much more than just books. They're just, you know, a wonderful group of people doing great work. I would also um, shout out the Department of Elections. Um, as part of a California movement, they sent um, mail-in ballots to every single person and registered voter in the city um, for last week's special election and put those new big ballot boxes all over the city to drop them. Unlike a lot of elections departments around the country, they're trying to make it as easy as possible to vote. And also the fire department is um, just doing incredible work, a lot of which is not related to fires. Um, they are responding to so many overdose overdoses and crises on our streets, and the paramedics are doing um, incredible work. Just this morning, very sadly, there were four people found to have been sheltering in a freeway overpass in Glen Park um, from the cold and started a fire. One person died and three were critically injured, but the fire department figured out how to get into a freeway overpass and rescue um, 
the survivors and spent hours doing that. So um, I want to thank the people who are trying to make this place better. Well, that was my last pick. So what's your number four? My number four is what I'm calling the Phoenix mentality. Um, No matter how bad things get here, um, historically, we improve, we rebuild, we don't give up. The city's flag is a phoenix, and someone even made an alternate phoenix flag, which I see flying around, just to kind of double down on the fact that we're the phoenix city. And I think we shouldn't forget that. And this is where I have very little sympathy for the Paul Grahams of the world, or at least like the friend of Paul Graham who told Paul Graham that (laughs) San Francisco was going to hell. Because people here who have had the worst things happen to them, um, the fire and earthquake burned down half the city and people got together and made the city better. I just did a story about um, Paul Miyamoto, the sheriff of San Francisco, whose father was in Japantown as an eight-year-old and went to an internment camp, came back to San Francisco, was a judge, was a lawyer, just absolutely contributed to the city in fantastic ways. And there's so many stories like that of people getting knocked down and doubling down on the city. I I think about it at some point, like maybe I'm even going to give up. Maybe enough of these stories will come here or something will happen where I give up on San Francisco. But I I know that even when I give up, there are going to be people here who still believe in the city and still fight for the city. And I think our Phoenix mentality is something that's going to serve us well coming out of this pandemic. And I'm hoping, you know, with all of these struggles and important issues that we need to solve and work on, that there's going to be this element of city pride too, and maybe a few less tweets of people talking about how it's all gone to hell. We are in trouble if you give up on San Francisco, Peter Hartlob. You're the city's hype man, so I hope that doesn't happen anytime soon. Yeah, I I don't think it will. Um, but, you know, my feeling is you don't have to love the city. But if you're complaining about it, my hope is wherever you're going, whether it's Miami or London or Seattle or Spokane, I hope you're going there and making that place a better place. Well said. I think we waged a good rebuttal, and I hope Paul Graham is listening. I doubt he is. <laughs> but um, Well, I'm glad we did this. Eight good examples. I think we could have done like a hundred more. And uh, good to see you back inside the Chronicle building, inside the archives. Things feel a little bit more normal today. Yes, and I'd like to encourage listeners, if you're on social media, to share why you still love San Francisco and why you think the city is worth fighting for. And tag us with hashtag Total SF. Darling, it's 2 a.m. It's time for closing. The cops, they're all sideways. And I think Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com slash pod. Total SF.